0: are listening to open lines radio welcome to the hobo safe camp virtual campfire my name is mark i will be your camp host for the next hour and a half as uh, we listen to this um, amazing broadcast of uh, that which originally uh, aired january 26th 2017 um it's a gem the the people you, you know as, as i go back and listen to these Hobo Safe Camp, uh, virtual campfire podcasts. It's just like every single one, like just reconfirms that I have the coolest friends. <laughs> like it's been, like I don't know. I don't know where you guys came from. I don't know where some of you have gone. But in the the moment that these things took place, it was uh, pretty magical. And uh, in this episode, um, we were joined by Missy Miller. And if you follow her on Instagram, you know. That what she has overcome, <laughs> what she's gone through and overcome, um, uh, after, since the time of this is so much, um, probably so much harder and, and, uh, than, than where she was there. And she's continued to do it with a smile. And it's just, she's such, uh, an, an amazing person and, um, Someone that we should all be looking up to the way she approaches life. And then uh, we're also joined by Amber Frida, who um, was somebody who really got me thinking more uh, deep, thinking like more seriously about the living spaces around us and communing and connecting with the not just the architecture but the the like the living life that we bring into that space through um, plants and um, everything and then we were joined also by Evelyn Von Zuhl to talk about our place in the greater universe I guess or how how we are both shaped and continue to shape the universe through, like, recognition of time and space. And then we are joined by Chris Gruden, my good friend. I think I just, I've been looking through these, and I see he's been on a lot. I just think I really like his voice. <laughs> I don't know. He, he's a good guy. And, um, yeah, so but before we do that, I mean, have you been listening to Open Lines Radio? The, it's it's the do- Here's the beauty of Open Lines Radio. It's been that I've found has been the background noise. The background noise has added so much to the words that are coming out. Um, it's 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 taken it's taken away the sterilization that you usually get on podcasts or radio, and it's kind of put it into a real world setting. And my dog will sit quietly like a lazy dog does all day long until I start talking and something about my voice makes him get up and pace so if you hear him pacing in the background that's just Duke but th- this 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 incidentally is also the 100th broadcast episode broadcast on open lines radio I started this thing I just and 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 here's the thing I started this on May 3rd of 2018 so five months ago f- five, five almost six months ago and this is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. It's so much better. It's so much fuller. And 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 the, the funny thing is, is like I know that first night that I went live on the air, sitting outside in Rainbow, California. To a, I was just a, a disaster. I was trying to learn things. We had the worst delays possible that you could even imagine. I can't even believe people are still listening if that were listening to that. But here's the thing. I know Hannah was listening and I know Saraya was listening. And now both of them contribute weekly, sometimes more than weekly, to Open Lines Radio. And so it's just I know that there's this weird connection that uh, and I think maybe even Angie was there too on that first night. If not the first, close. All three. And there are shows they do here. Um, Hannah with Fireside Chats, where she really takes us... She, she takes us into like emotional places that we don't normally let ourselves go. They're the places that we, we even with ourselves, hold um, a wall up and put filters on so we don't have to deal with and she takes us into those raw places and then we've got Soraya the Great who I basically I'm not gonna lie I ride her coattails to evolution I check in once a week to hear what to hear how she's growing and it by proxy I grow and then we've got between blue worlds who comes with these little snippets of these slices of life these just moments these random moments that like just speak so deeply and now we have a new show the witching hour and if you tuned into the witching hour last night here's here's the thing with with holly she has she puts out a lot of energy and things glitch out and I finally, finally, it's taken six months to get Open Lines Radio tweaked to where it all works. And she sits down, and we go to start the Witching Hour, and the computer shuts down. And we reboot it, and it freezes. And we have to reboot it again. And we broadcast this thing that just sounds perfect. And on the playback, it's all glitched out. <laughs> on the playback, the the timings all off. And and that's the beauty of it. it's all for a reason and you can also tune in to uh Sabbat shalom with my brother Doug once a week usually Saturday mornings that's when we're both available and that's real time that's the two of us real time shooting the shit and catching up after not having talked for about three years and and trying to teach each other and then we've got open lines with holly Mark where we're bringing every all these people and like there's just so much going on and we would like to have your voice we want to have your voice we want to hear you like, the goal is 24 voices a day 24 different voices a day you don't have to go every day but if we could get 24 voices a day we can change the conversation Will be a big rolling ball. A big growing snowball rolling down a hill, collecting snow and getting bigger and bigger, and then eventually smashes into the cabin at the bottom of the hill, and the people are stuck inside. Till the rescue crews can get there. <laughs> and fuck the rescue que- crews. It's cozy inside that cabin. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get, do this. Let's get to this hundredth, hundredth, the hundredth broadcast of Open Lines Radio right here. It's both a milestone and a so what. We have so much more to come, and here's a little uh, reminder from the past of where we came from to um, give us a vision of where we're going. Let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to these four soldiers of light. Let's put that intergalactic tin can telephone that's stretched across the universe and all of the dimensions. It only delivers love, you know. Put that thing up to your ear. Missy, Amber, Evelyn, Chris, ramble on. I'm just a rambling hobo.
1: I ramble all along.
2: I'm just a rambling hobo, I ramble all alone, ain't got no
3: one to love me, no place to call my home.
0: Alright, we are going to start this campfire off with some words from my new personal hero. I can't wait for you all to hear Missy Miller's story, it's just this beautiful inspirational story. Uh, You can find Missy on Instagram at its.me.missy.miller. Every time I'm scrolling through Instagram and one of her posts shows up, I always say out loud, no matter where I'm at, I always go, it's-a me, a Missy Miller, every time. And it always brings a smile to my face. So uh, I was a little bit thrown off when um, I actually heard her voice and she doesn't sound anything like Mario. (laughs) She actually, I was uh, was waiting to hear, uh, hello, it's-a me, a Missy Miller, but it wasn't um you should uh check out her blog it's uh her blog is missy missy uh, the link is also in the bio of her instagram page her writing is absolutely amazing and it's personal and it's raw uh, i'm going to read you something from her blog right now because uh, before we get started because uh i'm worried you won't go check it out and i really want you to hear it so here it is uh this is uh, from uh, a post called nostalgia is served in heavy doses by missy miller Perhaps the color of nostalgia is sepia, or black and white, or the colors in the pictures hanging on painted walls. Maybe it's the smell of the earth after a warm rain in the spring, or the sound of an old song that makes your mind travel, revealing silently mournful memories that we've tucked away within ourselves, a sweet remembrance, a pining reverie, a homesick longing, or a subtle blast from the past, the feels of a previous place and time that make your soul sing and your light shine. Nostalgia, that bittersweet blessing that keeps popping up in our lives. Whether coated with sadness or fondness, it's a feeling of wanting to go back to that time, even if just for a moment. Not because of the feelings of the present necessarily, but because it was a time of such sweetness, such goodness. We long for the times that made us feel safe or abundant or stress-free. We long for the good times, the back in the day times, the when we were younger times. I look in the corner of my eye at the picture that rests upon the table. My sister and I smile at the lens of a throwaway camera, our congenial faces pressed together, our blue eyes glistening from the flash, our smiles big and bright. I sip my coffee, my blue eyes holding gaze of the two of us in that picture, in that moment and that time. And I'm taken back, achingly so, to a time when life was a little more simple, when my sister was just a phone call away, when my sister was my sister. When there were no news headlines, or worry of where she might be, or all the craziness of now. Ah, nostalgia.
2: You know, my story is a little bit funky, and it's a little funny, if you look at it in that light. I'm uh, I'm a 29 year old Missy and I'm married and I'm happy and I live in a tiny little town that we grew up in and about five years ago, after I got engaged, my um, husband and I adopted my three nephews oh, wow. who are my sister's kids um, because she's um, you know really really heavy, substance abuser, which is very sad. Um, so the situation there,
0: how long ago did you do that?
2: It's about, well, you know, I, I took guardianship of the three boys two separate times. So the first time was about probably six years ago. The first time I took guardianship of them, which is a really wild um, memory to go back into because I was Around 23 years old. Yeah, that's
0: what I was going to say. You were 23 years old and suddenly you became a mother of three.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I definitely had a lot more help from my parents who lived locally at that time as well. Um, So it was pretty crazy going to the courthouse and saying, you know, I need to go get these kids. They're not safe. And being handed a paper... That says, "Here you go. You're the (laughs) guardian of these children now." Real, very, very emotional, and um, really crazy, really wild. So, so yeah, I handed my sister a paper with me at the door and some cops beside me, and took on those boys with my family. And um, it was, it was a good time though. You know, it was a very, very, very hard time. Um, Pretty crazy. This was before I got engaged. and my, my Byron has stuck with me forever, which is <laughs> awesome. But, um, so after that, my sister went into a program, you know, and after a couple of years or a year and a half, she did really, really well. It was a reunification program. So she, we slowly, you know, got her back with the boys and got them their, their lives together again, you know, and, uh-huh. and everybody is right. like together again. So, um and then she uh she actually spoke at this big gala in Boston about recovering from drug addiction and domestic violence. Um it was beautiful. She uh she spoke with JC Monahan, the news broadcaster on TV and it was a really, really great thing. Um, and then about a month after that, she relapsed and overdosed.
0: Oh, man.
2: Um, on She's alive still. Oh, okay. uh, But Yeah, yeah. She overdosed um, and was found in her home. Um, and it's just uh, it's so crystal clear, the memory of it, in my mind, because it was actually... Just a couple of months after Byron proposed to me, so we were in the happiest time in our lives because you know we're young and we had this right. whole future ahead of us. That was kind of like in our own vision,
0: you know, traveling. Right. And, and you thought everyone was good. She appeared to be to have recovered, and like, yeah, so everyone, it's, yeah,
2: your yeah. guards down. And, so everybody, you know, and my mom is very sick, but that at that time when everything seemed to clear up a little bit, you know, she was getting better and everything was just so perfect, you know, looking up, it was just, a, it was a, a new part of life. And so one day it was pouring, my now husband got home and I was just so giddy, you know, we were talking about plans, <laughs> I think we were going to go on a date or something and I was just bopping around and so excited and Talking about things and my phone rang and it was my sister and I, I was actually going to ignore the phone call because I was in conversation with Byron, you know, and just talking and I was gonna call her back. Uh-huh. And then I just like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll let her know that I'm gonna call her back in a few minutes. So I answered the phone and said, I'm gonna call you back. And then, you know, she cut me off and I realized, oh my gosh, she's crying. Oh my gosh, she's hysterical, and I immediately. Dropped to the floor, beautiful bamboo wood floors, (laughs) and uh, just started crying because I knew that that phone call was our lives changing forever. Yeah. Um. So and you know she didn't tell me exactly what happened, but she said she messed up. So, so we didn't go on a date that night, but we drove (laughs) in the the rain to go pick up. all my nephews and they had no idea what's going on. You know, um, they were still in school. We're on Cape Cod and they were just over the bridge. So,
4: okay.
2: you know, and they couldn't go with her. So I was told by social services, you need to come and get these boys or they will be put into, um, you know, care by the state. So it was an immediate decision that we had to make. Right to take on these boys. So we did, we took them on
0: much of a decision though, was it? It
2: wasn't a decision at all. Oh no, there was no moment of thinking, you know, do I do this or not? It was, you know, I mean, I was with them since the day they were all born um, and cut one of the umbilical cords. You know, my sister and I were best friends. So we were, I even lived with her, you know, after she had all three of her kids and we were inseparable, you know, we were like the mom and dad, to these boys, um, but sisters, you know, and Uh so so it's a very dramatic situation. Um, So we took on the boys. We lived in a 500-square-foot studio apartment. We had nowhere to go, and there was a whole big front-page headline of us in the local newspaper and all over the Internet, and actually that was really close to around the time I took myself off of Facebook because it was just (laughs) – You know, there's a, you get a lot, you get a lot of positive, you know, pats on the back and you get a lot of negativity and you're always going to get that through life, no matter what you're doing, even if you're Mother Teresa, you're going to get it. <laughs> so, right. um, uh, yeah. So, so there was a lot of, uh, a backlash. Anyway, we ended up in a really great little home that, uh, our, our hometown is so tiny. So we're just such a, such an amazing community of love, even people that we don't know, you know, were are coming to, to help us. And that's cool. How it was beautiful. So we moved into a little cottage. Now we, we moved to a, a newer house where we got married and everything has moved forward. So when we took on the kids after she overdosed that time, you know, we were hoping she'd do really well, but she actually got heavier into heroin. And actually oh, last man. week when I was supposed to, um, speak with you on Monday, all of a sudden I felt incredibly sick and it came out of nowhere. And it was, I think, an empathetic physical sickness that I was receiving. Cause at that time, at that exact time, which I didn't find out until later that day, um, my sister's eyes were burning. And she was in the hospital. Oh, really? um, and she made the news uh, <laughs> all over TV and newspapers. And I mean, these stories are still coming out today. Um, she was operating the first outdoor meth lab on Cape Cod. <laughs> so you know, and here I've got the boys and. Auntie and Uncle Byron are trying to <laughs> try it, just this up. <laughs> you know, uh, shut all TVs off and make sure oh, no news.
0: Man. This yeah, geez.
2: So take that my 14 year old nephew's phone <laughs> so he can't go on social media, which is too late. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, so, so it's been crazy. And during all this, um, taking care of the boys and figuring out my sister and trying to just take care of all that. My mom is also terminally ill, um, which is crazy. And that's actually leads me to like a big part of what I wanted to talk about, which is stress and how we allow it to really just take over our lives and, and we feed it so much of our energy. And when my sister got really bad, my mom got much more sick and so it's almost like every single time something new comes out about my sister we find out it's even worse than we thought my mom becomes even worse than we thought so oh. um you know so she is actually such a beautiful woman who weighs 55 pounds and I have to carry her from you know her bed to oh, her toilet. So, um, the beautiful thing about that is that we are in the same town and I'm able to get to her. And God, can I tell you how exhausting that is to be a caretaker? (laughs) (laughs) Such a beautiful woman. And at the same time, while, you know, spending time with her, we're reading newspaper articles about her oldest daughter. So right. But what I really wanted to talk to you about was stress. And when we first got the kid, well, not first, but when we took them over this past time, which is permanent, I'm their permanent guardian. um, When that all first happened, and it was such a crazy, it was like, okay, you're at the top of the roller coaster. And now all of a sudden, you're shooting down. And that was life for a while. But it wasn't like, oh, we're going down. It was like, Oh my God, we are going so fast. I don't know when this ends, and all I can feel are butterflies in my stomach, right. and I might too.
0: And it's supposed to, and it might be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe when it and, ends, I'll look back at it as being fun.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I knew that, and I'm—I've always been a very positive, optimi- optimistic person. I've always tried to really find the light in every situation, um, which is necessary, I think for survival. And so when all that was happening, you know, the headlines, instant family, and we had people getting in touch with us from all sorts of different news places. And it was insane. Um, and at that time I had no idea that it was stress, but I was blacking out my whole body was becoming so ill and frail. I was falling over. I couldn't control my limbs. I was, you know, I, I get these things that I now call eye grains, which is a migraine in the eye, but I had no idea what it was. Right. So I was starting to lose vision in the left eye. Um, everything was foggy. I was losing my memory and having panic attacks, which I had never even experienced before. So all of these crazy symptoms started happening to my body. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, now I have to bring myself to the doctor. I just learned right. how to bring some kids to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't do all this. So I get to the doctor. And this the doctor of mine tells me that I had multiple sclerosis. And now, now imagine finding that. Right. Right. So okay, well you are, you're a mom of three. And taking care of your mom and planning your wedding and figuring out <laughs> where to live and and you know being basically poor on this little man-made island that we live
4: on. Right. And, attacked figuring on
2: it out. and then you know the doctor's saying you've got MS. So that was a lot. Um so about like four months of really crazy tests during while well, living this life you know, and and adjusting to everything, brain scans and all these, all these kinds of things, months of this. And I finally was told that my brain was beautiful and it had no lesions in it. And it was (laughs) crystal clear, perfect, which was great to hear. And so I don't have multiple sclerosis, which is what I was told. Um, No, I didn't. And I had nothing wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with me. Except for taking on a new life and letting myself become so stressed out about all of the things that came with that new situation. And so it took a while for me to realize that I was doing this, that I was taking in all of this stress and just placing it in these different parts of my body subconsciously because I wasn't working through the stress in my mind
0: yeah, you were just kind of taking on life as it was coming to you yeah and you weren't even thinking about how it was affecting you
2: right and crying and getting angry and feeling the feels which is good which is what we need to do you know not excuse sadness that we feel or stress that we feel not try to wash it away and throw it away but to actually you know see it Feel it and then let it go. And that is the part that I wasn't doing. I wasn't letting it go. And what I've come to realize is stress essentially is just fear. And we let so much fear run our lives. It literally makes us sick. And so stress is fear of the unknown, fear of something new, or fear of these fantastical possibilities that we're literally just creating in our minds creating more stress and and fear because we don't know what's to come so if you're handed a situation you get three new kids oh my god that has never happened before i'm so stressed out and then just thinking about all these other things that would come with it you know total life change and all these doctor's appointments to deal with in school and ah, and all and I was getting ahead of myself and just taking all that in and not allowing myself to take enough moments to realize okay this is what's happening and it is happening so it must be okay because I'm okay I'm alive still standing and I believe that we will never have anything that the universe brings our way, if we really can't handle it. So I had to remind myself of that. You know, we are here on this earth with literally the power of the entire universe inside of our little bodies that we use. And we really have the power to overcome stress and fear and all of those toxins. If we just realize, okay, they're happening, they're there, but I'm still way stronger and more complete than those things than those outside stresses and fears so then I started to realize okay I'm dealing with stress that literally was making me sick and I thought how can I overcome that well I need to just live life I need to just live day to day minute to minute and be okay with it which is hard to do you can't always do that you can't just live minute to minute (laughs) especially when you've got a family, you know, you do have to plan ahead. You have to think about life, but I became okay with it. You know, I've, I've always been okay with life, but I became okay with the new life situation and the new life that we had. And it took a while um, to realize that in order to conquer this stress and this fear that we feed ourselves, we need to replace that with, finding the love and the gratitude that we know that we can have during crazy situations, you no know, crazy moments. So like right now, you know, my mom is incredibly sick and we don't know how much longer t- we'll have with her, which is heartbreaking, really, really hard. Um, but I appreciate and I am grateful for knowing that I'm here living this moment, this life, and I'm the one who is able to have this extra time with my mom and to take care of her like she used to take care of me. And so although that hurts, I'm allowing myself to not only be hurt and stressed out and scared of it, but to be grateful that I still have these moments. I'm still here feeling the feels, which is okay, because you know, it's, it's good to cry. It's good to get upset and angry. And I appreciate that because we're, we're humans. It's, you know, there's no light without dark. So, so my, my big, the big picture is once we realize that we've given so much energy to all of these stresses and fears, then we can then take back control of that energy and put it into the lighter part, the Not into the darkest corner, but into the the lighter parts that are seeping through and the gratitude for the moments that we're here and the love of the memories that we've shared together or, you know, being able to be together on a nice sunny day or um, being able to tuck the kids in at night, you know, and having a roof over our heads and food to eat. So when we bring it down to. Simplicity like that in our lives. And it's so much easier to say sometimes it really is a a practice that you kind of need to force yourself into, sort of like meditation or yoga. You know, you really need to practice that being okay with life so that it doesn't take over you and you can still have control and realizing that the simplest things of having a home to go to at night or a bed to sleep in or a family to love. Is really all we need, even if those family members aren't always perfect or aren't always gonna be around. This is our life, and we have really good moments and bad moments, and we really need to keep those good moments at the top, even if they're
0: far. I love that. It's like um it's like it's if you can release kind of that attachment to what you the idea of what you thought your life was supposed to be and then actually just live the life that's there.
2: Exactly.
0: Then you like, I think, I think a lot of stress comes from this isn't the way I thought life would be, you know? And if you can just accept that that's not the way you thought life, it, it is not the way you thought life would be. And you just accept it as it is and look for the, the light in where you're at, then you're so much better off.
2: Exactly. Instead of holding on to this, Vision that you painted for yourself. And then once I think that once we, you know, because that was a big thing that we also had to move forward from. And I learned so much from that, you know, our vision, our painted vision of buying a house and then having a baby when we're ready after we travel. And okay, perfect, great, picket fence. When does that ever happen? That doesn't happen. And it's very silly for us to really spend our lives holding on to that vision of, okay, I'm going to get there and that will be my life. And while we're doing that, we're not realizing that, no, this is your life. This is it. And it's beautiful.
0: It's almost like, it's almost like this, this real life version of you is looking at this alternate reality version of you's Facebook page, (laughs) like getting jealous of this alternate version of you. That's the life you thought you were going to live And you're sitting here in this life that you live with everything you could ever want, but you're looking at this this someone else you're looking at your alternate life's social media going, Man, I wish I had that. And that's like stupid.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and then deep down, really, it's like, whoa, I do have that. You know, we we do that so much. Like, oh man, I or we look at somebody else's account and like they're on vacation and oh man, I wish I had that. I wish I could do that. And I think also like something that I'm very strongly believing in is we're magical people. We're magical miracles. We really can create and manifest anything that we really do deep down completely want. But nothing, even if we painted a picture perfectly, I do think that it will come to us. But I never think that it's going to (laughs) be the exact painted portrait that hangs on your wall that you were expecting. Life is unexpected. And I think that's what makes it so beautiful. Nothing is perfect. And I think most people appreciate imperfections because that's what creates a perfect masterpiece. And so, yeah, I think that when we hold on to that vision, it's just, it's silly because the vision of our lives that we're living right now is the vision that we have created subconsciously deep down, you know, and I, and I realize that, you know, there's this big thing, your reality is what you've created. And so, you know, when you're handed three kids and and changing your entire life and everything, and you keep reminding yourself, well, you created this reality, you get <laughs> a little pissed off at yourself and, and you kind of want to tell yourself to shut up. I did not create all of this craziness. But then you kind of realize, and there's always outside sources and forces as well, but right. I realized that, you know, every yoga class i always do you know a meditation and a prayer at the end where i tell my students okay release you know within you whatever you're asking the universe for and it will be granted and it will come to you and for years my that prayer that i was sending out was for everybody to be okay and safe for my sister to find her way and for the boys to be well taken care of and now during that release of a prayer and trying to manifest that I knew deep down that the only person who would be able to take care of these boys the way that I knew they had to be care- taken care of was me you know that's I wasn't necessarily asking you know make me the guardian of these boys but what I was asking you was bring them somewhere safe guide them to where they need to be their safety net, guide my sister to where she needs to be and guide me to where I need to be. And that's exactly what I got, you know, And, and it's sad that my sister is God knows where right now with chemical burns from a meth lab. That's sad. Nobody wants to say that's what their sister is doing. But when I'm able to have come this far in realizing in my mind that she is a completely different spirit on this planet in a completely different journey, figuring out what she needs to figure out and living the life and the story, her own movie, which is hers and it's outside of me. And so then I need to accept that. And that's a great way to, to conquer the stresses as well, because we get so stressed out about other people's lives and what they're doing. And we know it's not good for them, you know, but
0: right. I I would argue that you are creating your own reality and you had the choice to do, to live this other life. And when the, when the time came, you chose to be the one that was there. And and so you are creating, it's, it's, the universe throws all these pieces at you and you have to, like, you have to, there's blocks before you, you know, when you build what you want to build, we're all building these different things and we all have these different pieces and you did, you chose it. You could have not. And you did. And, but and what so ultimately yeah. it's my choice. And so now you're, you're you you the, these are parts of your life and you still are creating your own reality in the moment with all the pieces that are there and you're doing it based on like your on your values. It's beautiful. Like this life you've created, this reality you've created is this beautiful inspirational thing.
2: Yeah, and I wouldn't change it for the world. And no I'm way. so happy I was having a conversation with a, a friend not too long ago and um she's going through a divorce and they have a, a little boy and, you know, she was just, she was talking about, oh my God, this is not what I thought would happen. This is not what I expected life to be. This isn't the picture I painted in my mind. And believe me, I've been there. And so, you know, and I told her, well, and that's okay. Cause it's still beautiful just because it doesn't look like the one that you expected or wanted. It is going to be the life that you wanted because you are the one in charge of it. You are controlling it. You are making the choices to get yourself where you want to be in life. And it's not the picture you imagined and it's not what you expected, but it's exactly what you need. And I had to, you know, teach myself that a lot every day for a couple of years. You know, it's not what I expected and it usually never is but it's what I needed. And I'm so grateful and so happy to have this amazing family and and to be learning all of the things that I'm learning with my husband, you know, like how to deal with a crazy teenager. And- <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you practically still are one, you know?
2: <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's funny and it's exciting and I love it and I wouldn't change it for the world. And I think about, you know, comparison of, my life before we had the kids and after and how far we've come and they have taught us so much and we've taught them so much. And we really, you know, I think, I think they needed us and we needed them. And this is our family. And I, and I love it. And I really, I appreciate it. So, you know, every day I say thank you to this beautiful house that we, that kind of just like fell from the sky. We were living in a tent in my parents' backyard, and it was actually a really cool tent, and it was, like, one of the best living experiences ever, and it was... We'll have to talk
0: about that tent life uh, uh, in a later episode. I
2: I love it, (laughs) (laughs) and it's actually really funny, because when we... We had no idea where we were getting married, where we were gonna live, but we knew we were gonna do those things, and (laughs) at that moment, we were in a tent, and... When we moved into this house, which is just a a minute down the road from where we were, um, it was so funny because we just kept bringing ourselves outside because we were so happy and used to living outside in the tent and with all of the birds and the noises and the, you know, just the environment and the fresh air. And it was almost kind of like sad to go inside to go to bed.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, that's funny. It's funny. Our lives are, are really paralleled because not – I haven't had to deal with the kind of things you've had to deal with. But when I met my wife, I'm a little older than her, so I had three kids, and she was 24, and I had a 14-year-old. And so we, we – like, she, I can't wait for her to hear this in the – like,
4: Yeah, like
0: we spend, We spend more time outside in the ter- – like, I spend more time in this eight-foot-by-eight-foot shed outside the house than I do in the house just because – Oh, I just like to be outside.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that the our Earth connection serves us very well. You know, it. I think most of my inspiration comes to me when I'm outside
4: yep. in
2: nature and just listening. There's so much, you know, I, I ask for signs every day from the universe just for anything, just for fun. It's kind of like a game for me. Right. <laughs> and, um, most of my signs are... Waiting for me outside. Off the grass. I feel
0: ya. I feel ya. Okay, up next is Amber Frida. Amber is a garden designer who is starting to incorporate uh, healing plants into her designs. And again, like the last two podcast episodes, themes begin to emerge. I just love what Amber has to say about being outside and finding ways to connect to nature. She's got some really innovative ideas, and I'm sure it's just a matter of time before they take off. And if I heard her correctly, I believe she also calls for a revolution in this uh, little snippet. So take a listen and see if you hear the same thing, too. Uh, You can find Amber on Instagram at Gotham Gardener. Her garden design website is www.amberfrida.com. That's Uh, A-M-B-E-R-F-R-E-D-A. So check it out. Uh, Sign up for the newsletter. Read the blog. uh, Spend a little time getting to know what she does. But also, she also has an Etsy store. Um, it's amberfrida.etsy.com and you really need to check it out. She sells all kinds of herbal products uh, like teas and ointments, um, things to help you live healthy, a healthier, more natural life. So, Amber, take it away.
1: I really love making beautiful gardens for people. Um, I came to New York City from Texas back in 2001. And I found myself in kind of this unique position where I was one of the first landscapers in New York city that was doing any sort of online marketing. So I found myself all of a sudden working for some of of the most successful and wealthiest people in the world, because I had this advantage that, uh, that other landscapers that had been doing this for for decades, didn't necessarily have.
0: Now, when you were doing landscaping, was it like outdoor landscaping or indoor or kind of everything? Yeah, I,
1: I always had, from the time I started my business, and I did work for other people where I did a mix of the two. But ever since I started my own business, we always had this focus on the outdoors. Um, I find that I can do interiors, but there, it's something a little more artificial right, about it. And right. I'm, just, I'm a little less drawn to that. Um, and maybe people pick up on that. Um, and I've tended to attract more residential people with outdoor spaces that really enjoy having more of a personal connection. Okay,
0: right on. That's that's kind of that's where I am too. I like gardening outdoors. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely big difference. But uh, it's
0: kind of when you think of New York, it just you never know what what. Uh, uh, us, us people outside of New York just see New York as a bunch of apartments. <laughs>
1: So true. And in fact, my entire family said, why are you moving to New York City? You're a, you're a garden designer. But you look up on top of the buildings and there are rooftop gardens everywhere, right. um, terraces, backyards, little hidden tools that you don't see from the street.
0: Cool. And so so you started out doing like landscaping and then um, I, I liked your, the idea of like shamanic gardening. Like how did that what was the process where you came into that?
1: Um, I've been studying shamanism for a few years and, um, you know, I, I have, I, I have a thing where I'm kind of, kind of like, I don't want to be too woo woo for people, right. right? So, you know, I have a lot of people that are very corporate in New York city and they're just really not ready for that. Right. Um, so I'm kind of working in the shamanic ideas, um, in a way that they're not even really cognizant of.
4: So gotcha. just.
1: Yeah, so just talking about just healing gardens, that's something that, that everyone can relate to. Right.
0: Well, it's not really woo woo because they really do have healing properties, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And just talking about how, how is this garden going to be um, a full sensory experience and something that you're really connected to and that isn't just aesthetic. So, and because you're going to actually enjoy it and you're going to use it a lot more if you connect with it on that deeper level.
0: So are you, are you finding that like this is kind of a new concept for people, bringing in kind of these healing type of plants? Well, maybe I should ask you, is it, is it, are they the plants that you bring in, or is it also the design, the layout?
1: I don't know any landscape designers that are out there right now saying, I offer healing gardens. It's just not something that's really done. Um, at least we're in, in the industry that I'm in, in the region that I'm in, Um, so, um, I feel like it's sort of a new idea, Uh, at least, um, at, at least it's not a concept that seems to be out there right now, but I, you know, I think that people are really missing that sense of connection. Um, our brains evolved over millions of years, um, with, with us living most of our days outdoors. So we were constantly surrounded by not only the sight of plants, but also hearing um, the sound of birds, um, smelling plants. There have been there's been so much science recently that has showed that serotonin levels are related to um, these fractal images in nature and the smell of dirt. Right. So when you don't have that in your life, there's there's um, a deep disconnect and I, I think that it winds up affecting us in profound ways and um, I think a lot of the depression and anxiety and insomnia and um, just overall feeling of disconnection in our lives can really be traced back to trying to to figure out what what is our relationship with nature and you know what is it in 2017? And how can we redefine it, but at the same time, really honor our innate nature?
0: What are you finding out there, people? Are, are, is there a complete disconnect from nature? Because I'm completely, um, I'm, I'm pretty isolated from the rest of the world. And I'm, I spend more time outside than I do inside. I re- really only inside to sleep. And the rest That's of the perfect. time I'm outside... And and that's not a joke. I'm always outside. And so like I if I I'm just trying to put myself in that place where if I would have have to go if I were to have to live in a place where I couldn't always be outside, a garden would be (laughs) such a huge like that would be the most important place in my house would be the backyard. Or the
1: rooftop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean you picture people that work in offices for eight to 15 hours every day, I mean, that's their world.
0: And then they get in a car and drive home and they're inside another building. So, yeah, that's, I can just, I can, I, like, what you're doing is has no choice but to take off. Like people have got to be starving for it.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, more than Um, the
0: ornate, because like what you're talking about, bringing in the certain smells even that mm -hmm. we're reconnecting with that have maybe been lost from people's lives
1: yeah yeah the fragrance i mean definitely like i'm not saying that we should get rid of the the aesthetic quality completely because seeing something beautiful um is really soothing right right not at all
0: no not at all but bringing in yeah
1: but bringing in that yeah bringing in the fragrance and the sound so so when you think of sound in a garden that would be um maybe the rustling of of leaves, so grasses right. for example, make a really beautiful rustling sound in the wind. Um also having some sort of uh water element would bring that the sound of the water and in. how interesting uh, do you
0: think of the sounds of the garden? Like that's really yeah. innovative. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um and then also just getting out there and you know touching your plants and knowing you know, what they do and, and the names of them, um, and maybe being able to take a few clippings in the evening and add them to your food or make a tea or put them in your bath and know that they're going to influence your mood and, um, be nourishing to your body. I think that's, um, that's an amazing, beautiful, simple thing that's very healing in itself.
0: Yeah. That's probably a big disconnect, um, Just in humanity in general, when you think back to our hunter gatherer nature, to no longer have any of your own food grown, you know, just even just even just to go out and clip some rosemary to throw in your pasta that you're cooking becomes this big thing.
1: Yeah, it was a big trade off when we decided to become agrarian and settle down on the land. I mean, we in so many ways, culturally and in our relationships, and um. You know, not having that tribal uh, medicine man or woman that you went to, um, who would tell you, okay, you take this plant when when you're feeling this way, and um, we'll, we're going to do not just the plant medicine, but also the spiritual side and the psych, the psychology of helping you deal with whatever things that you're you're going through.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I love how you're doing that and bringing that uh, bringing that to the people that's what i think it's really needed and and i and i like the way you're doing it too where you're you know like you say you're just it's just it's it's a healing it's you don't you don't have to bring in the 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 mysticism in it because it's just if you just miss that connection
1: yes definitely um so um yeah i think there's you know there there's sort of like you get into this gray area right um because i've had People like Garden Design Magazine, the most respected gardening magazine in the country, are interested in this idea, but they're kind of, and they've been talking to me about working with them, but they're kind of tiptoeing around it. And the reason is that they don't want to seem too new agey right. and too new, but also the FDA. Oh,
0: it, yeah. It, Didn't even think everybody.
1: of it. Everybody. Nobody wants to say you can take St. John's wort to cure depression right. because The FDA FDA says you can't say that anything will cure a disease,
0: right? right?
1: Which is ridiculous. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. It's a joke. Yeah.
1: So you know that, and um, it's really holding a lot of this knowledge back from people, which is unfortunate. Um, But I think that uh, we need to at least have these conversations and just um, be willing to say. You know, I, as an herbalist, as an expert in this field, these herbs can help you. And I'm not trying to diagnose or prevent a disease, but I know what these herbs can do.
0: Right.
1: And um, you can take the power back into your own life and, and maybe not have to pop a pill every day. Exactly.
0: Exactly. But then but but then you get into talking about uh, taking money away from the pharmaceutical industry, and it just becomes this big, ugly thing. <laughs> yes would you say um, as far as your own spirituality goes, I'm sure being with, with your, your landscape and gardening background, is your spirituality kind of a plant-based spirituality? Would you say, is that kind of where you've always found, I guess, God for a lack of a better term?
1: Oh, the, yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, living in the Northeast and um, a cold climate with with not a lot of sun in the winter I found myself going into periods where I would I would experience seasonal affective disorder um so one way I found of dealing with that is to be outdoors more and regardless of what the weather is right it doesn't matter if it's raining or if it's snowing or if it's 10 degrees out I, I pretty much every day will make time to get outside because if I don't I see a big difference in my mood. Um, So just um, going for a walk and, um, you know, having some meditation time where I just close my eyes and um, maybe try to do a little journey, connect with my own spirit guides. um, Just ask the universe, what, what sort of, what sort of lesson do you have for me today? What, what do you want to teach me today? Um, and I get a lot just from the natural world, from observing nature and also from my own meditations, um, that's really helped me to, to find, um, so much more happiness even in the darks of winter.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's so cool. It's so cool. I love what you're doing. I just love it. I, and I, and I wish that there wouldn't be so much resistance. It makes no sense to me (laughs) that there's resistance to a healing garden.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. And, you know, the more that I learn about shamanism and Wicca and all these sort of earth centered practices, um, the less scary they are. They're, they just really, they're really kind of grounded in common sense. Right. It's just that we've been surrounded by so much shame and fear of these things that, um, that people are are very close-minded towards them.
0: Right. I, I think a lot of it has to do too with kind of the same thing you're running into with the FDA, where you have, uh, you know, these these ways of kind of finding self-help and and curing your own uh, psychological issues. Where there's I think there's been a lot of stigma placed on things just you know by the medical. I don't want to turn this into a, a bash on the medical field <laughs> on the medical field, but. You okay. know, I I think a lot of it has to do with that. I think that you know, we as spiritual people are looking to help people, uh, to cure mm-hmm. people. Where I think there's also an industry that's looking to kind of make money by keeping people sick.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah. But yeah, there has to be a revolution at some point where we take medicine back into our hand, our own hands. Yeah. And um, you know, we are we're intelligent enough to say. Okay, these are the contraindications for this herb. Okay, so a pregnant woman should not take pennyroyal um, because it can cause an abortion. Whatever, whatever it is, like we we're responsible enough that we we don't need the FDA to be our babysitter.
0: Right, right, right. I agree completely. Uh, it's
1: we've, nuts. we've given up control of our lives completely to them, and uh, from an herbal perspective. Medicinal perspective, and um, I think that we're missing out because food of it. Perspective, I mean, I, we have we've given
0: over control of everything natural. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I didn't. Wow, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm am having epiphanies in my head <laughs> sitting here <wasn't laughs> because we have we've given up like like in our like everything that's that that naturally human beings have been able to find in nature. We've given up in exchange for synthetics and it's crazy
1: yeah yeah even the simplest things um i make um a lot of herbal teas on my etsy my etsy page and um one of my friends the other day i gave her she just kept saying she had heartburn all the time and um couldn't figure out what to do about it i just i gave her this heartburn tea and she told me today i i just i haven't had heartburn since i started taking it it's something so simple it's just a tea right Right. but amazing, a big difference for her and um you know, she didn't have to go to the, the pharmacy and pay a hundred dollars a month for heartburn medication exactly
0: exactly i'm always anything that you can do to stop taking a pill that's why I'm for it <laughs> so i mean i mean there's stuff that's yeah. needed i don't want to i don't like to give i'm not giving doctors advice but that's just kind of my general opinion if you can get off a pill and take something natural that's
1: yeah, the way to go.
0: yeah.
1: at least try it um there are we know so many people that will will maybe start down that route, that road and maybe take one antidepressant and then you know they start having difficulty sleeping so then they need to take a pill to go to sleep right. and they have a hard time waking up so they need something in the morning to wake them up then they start getting weight so they need something for that right. and the next thing you know they're on five different pills yep. um that's the nice thing about any sort of herbal remedy it's not not addictive and you're not going to have these side effects that are going to make you have to get on other things right
0: right exactly exactly like why can't... it's so simple
1: <laughs> it is it's like the earth already contains pretty much everything we need uh, we just know how to use it
0: right it's so so simple up next Evelyn Von Zuhl is here to talk to us about how a beginner can get involved in astrology. Um, I really love how she equates it to learning a new language. I know for me, uh, I tend to get confused the second anything that even kind of looks like math kind of comes into play. Uh, But Evelyn breaks things down uh, really beautifully here so we can get a so we can better see the process of speaking the cosmic language. Uh, You get a better understanding when we actually can speak the language. Um, You can find Evelyn on Instagram at astrom.council, that is A-S-T-R-O-M dot C-O-U-N-C-I-L, Astrom Council. Um, Her website is astromcouncil.com. You really have to go check it out because she's got all kinds of great information. Um, You can join the email list. Um, Her blog is Out of This World. Uh, I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true. It's really informative. It's really well written. It's great. Um, And she sells these charts that are beautiful. Um, You can hang them on your wall. Um, Go check her out. Really, you need to. Um, Evelyn, the floor is yours.
3: It is, and it 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 isn't. It's kind of like the fun part of math, like the visual side of it more so. Um, And it ties in a lot of sacred geometry as well. And strangely enough, geometry was the one math class that I really liked. (laughs) Well, there you go. Yeah, because it actually created shapes and pictures. So it's like, oh, I like that. That makes sense. (laughs) And it does the same with the chart. Um, But the very basic, best way to get started is just to learn the symbols and getting down to the very basic of what the symbols mean, uh, like the circle or the crescent or the X um, or the circle with an X in it. because a circle means the same thing, I believe, through all like healing modalities, like across the board, um, as well as the X and the point. Um, I'm sure from your um, spiritual upbringing, you've probably seen the same symbols. So it's all very tied in together, and it's pretty holistic that way. It's kind of one of the only languages that we have that can span across multiple different languages, like human spoken Right, with.
0: right. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like a universal language.
3: It is, yeah, because Mercury is the same symbol all over the world. Mercury with the circle with the crescent moon on top and the X on the bottom. Like, it'll be the same no matter what anywhere. Um, it's our Earth's universal symbol for Mercury. Um so once you get the hang of all those symbols and what they mean and the symbolism behind a circle or an X, then you start to understand the energy patterns for each planet. And then you can understand the energy patterns for each sign. For example, the circle is like the whole or unity, um, like the cycle of life. Uh, just the circle itself is spirit. And then once you put a dot in the center, the dot represents the point of existence. So a circle with a dot in the center is the sun, um, the point of existence. And the moon is a crescent, which is uh, soul, um, some people will say. And so you just kind of move those symbols around, and they create different energy patterns. And then you start to read that. Ah, that makes more sense. Yeah, rather than just memorizing keywords all the time, which uh-huh. is which is helpful and you can do everyone learns differently, but I believe that learning what the very basic parts of the symbols are is what will really help because you can always go back to that if you get lost.
0: Right, and then you can always communicate with other people even if you're not speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. verbally you can that's I, I just I love that when you when there are these other forms base, more basic forms of communication than than language
3: mm-hmm. it's cool yeah so just memorizing what all the symbols are for all the planets and signs is like the very beginning and so I used flashcards for that and just did that for a little while until I got it all nailed down and then I went into more keywords and and once you get the keywords down and what it represents, then you can start building sentences. It's like learning a whole new language. yeah
0: no that's how, I, I love the way you're putting it like that how and, and I think that's probably what why it kind of feels overwhelming is because you come in and you just want to know and you don't really think, all right well it's gonna this it's like everything else that you've got to start at the basic and move into the more complicated aspects of it.
3: Exactly. But well,
0: first you have to understand that foundation.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like when I started taking piano lessons, I took three classes and was totally done with it because I just wanted to <laughs> play like right. classical music, the first class. Right. <laughs> but,
4: she's
3: like, no, you have to do chopsticks first. I was like, I'm done.
0: Yeah. But that's what that's I need cool. to do. I need to start setting uh, – like I need to just take it more of that at that basic approach. And then, and then it, it is. It's not like so overwhelming. You can kind of like – have that be like the one part of your day where you're doing your your lesson on that for the day. Yeah. I like that. It,
3: when you look at a whole chart and you see all the symbols with all the lines and all those numbers, it's even sometimes I get overwhelmed, but I have to remember to scale it back and just start with the planet. Just one planet in one sign and then start from there to start building a sentence, to start building a paragraph, to then... Work my way up to a book or a chapter, uh, in, in the novel. The person, what they are, because it's like you could read. There's so much information in a chart that it's easy yeah. to just get. How over- are you? How
0: are you using? How how could, how do you use that to help, like heal a person, like in, with healing, like how? How are you using it? Because I mean, I, I there's always kind of like the novel. You know, I now you know you have this chart and it kind of tells you who you are. And now once you have that information, like how do you use it?
3: My main goal with astrology is to help people to learn about themselves and through learning about themselves, gaining a deeper understanding of their own free will. And um, I'll never tell anyone what to do. I'm not a psychic and I'm not going to like, you know, pinpoint the prediction of a very specific moment, but I'm going to express explain the potential energies around you and what's potential, like what your will is, what the potential of your will is for moments. And I think within that, it allows people to like, see even their own potential that maybe they didn't realize or they have self doubt or guilt or shame. Um, and I, what I really, what my main goal is, is again, just allowing people to know themselves better. Um, know thyself is my biggest theme. It's like the phrase that runs through my head every right. day.
0: Right. And once you know yourself, you kind of know your weaknesses and your strengths. And then you, as long as you're not using those as your excuse, you kind of know where you have to work a little harder and where you maybe need to lighten up. Yeah, exactly,
3: and not beat yourself up all the time. Like this one person I had a reading with. I was doing ten minute readings at, at an event, uh-huh. and um, which is which is very interesting and fun. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Dating.
0: <laughs> a live, re- yeah, that would be that would actually be kind of fun.
3: Yeah, really, it's really good practice for me. <laughs> so this girl, um. I was just going through her chart about explaining what her moon and sun and rising sign are for her. And there was a moment when something clicked where like what I had said about her personality made her realize that it was okay that she was that way because it was something that she had been fighting for so long. And she just like broke down. It was like, Oh my God. (laughs) That's a huge
0: moment. It's a huge moment when you've been fighting against who you are, for no real reason.
3: Yeah, and because maybe you were told at a young age that wasn't the right way to be, or because you're trying to fit some box that doesn't exist, or guilt or shame, which is a lot, you know, your cultural upbringing, whatever it is, your environment, um, that tells you to be a certain way, but it's like not helpful for you to flourish as an individual it happens, and as, as an astrologer, it's something that I myself have to break down often and remind myself of my own barriers and weaknesses in order to be able to be as unbiased as possible when looking at a chart.
0: I like what you said uh, about um, not predicting future events and looking at more of the potential energy is crazy. I just actually, like it's almost word for word. I just wrote that in it in a email to somebody who was asking me about the future, predicting the future. And I said, I don't predict the future, but I'll help you find your current potential
4: mm-hmm.
0: and talk about what you can do to make your future, what you want it to be. And, and like, I just, I just, I just love that. When you said that, uh, working with potential energies, it's like, that's so important to, to not try to like, try to read the future, but maybe, but work with what you have the potential to create?
3: Absolutely. I, I think that, um, maybe as our healing modalities become more popular, um, people will start to understand that and accept that there is, I mean, when you are, we're, we're we all have free will. So I can't tell you that you're going to like this one thing is absolutely going to happen to you because everyone has free will. I was just talking about this with my best friend last night, how if everyone has free will, then everyone has the freedom to act out their will however they choose. So if I say that this is the one thing is going to happen to you next week at 3 p.m., then that negates the whole concept of having a free will. Because let's say whoever else is involved in that one moment to be created, they also have a free will. So I can't say that this other person or these three other people are absolutely going to do something cuz i'm not god i can't decide <laughs> that for anyone and i've
0: also i've also found that when you as soon as you make a prediction uh that person like stops working for it and they start waiting for it oh. and and then that it, it's almost like they go out of their way for it not to happen you know what i mean as soon as you make a prediction it's like they're going to say well watch this i'm going to show you that you're wrong and it's like well that's why you don't make predictions cuz there are so many variables and and it's the same thing like someone came to me and said they wanted to know uh how somebody else something you know asking questions about somebody else's life and what and what was going to happen with somebody else and it's like i can tell you what you need but i, I can't read for somebody who's hasn't who's not part of this energy circle you know yeah. and so it's just it's funny how uh People's idea of predicting the future always seems to leave out the uh, the free will part because you just yeah. you can't. There's so many variables. There are so many different potentials for the future that like you can pick any of them. You know,
3: mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think it's really awesome. The more that I talk to other people like you who are in these uh, like esoteric, spiritual, new age fields all we all seem to come to the same conclusions on our own individually and i think it's awesome i love that
0: (laughs) yeah because when you said that i was like we have never talked or communicated like personally with each other and like you just said exactly what i wrote like two days ago it's crazy (laughs) but it's so cool it's so cool how we're able to come together
4: Mm -hmm.
0: so i saw on your a couple things on your website um, you do charts yes. that are really cool, like frameable charts. It's not just your standard chart that you would normally think about getting. Right, mm. they're beautiful.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I design those and I get them printed um, professionally on photo paper, so it's it should withstand a good amount of weathering because um, sun will bleach almost anything, but it should be pretty good with that because it's on professional grade photo paper. But yeah, I do make those and I really enjoy it. I enjoy looking at everyone's charts. And I notice sometimes, the like there will be a flow of certain moons that come in and sometimes I'll get like two of the same exact birthdays in a row. And, um, just watching the synchronicity coming in and out. <laughs> right, it's cool.
0: What uh, can I tell you about Chris Gruden that you don't already know? Um, let's see, oh, I know, I bet you didn't know this. Uh, he's got this really great album of music. I'm um, just kidding, you probably knew that. Uh, but did you know you can download it at almagraph onebandcampcom uh, You name the price. That means if you're a broke-ass joke like me, you can download it for free. But don't do that. Uh, Throw a few bucks his way. It's going to help you hit the astral plane a whole lot faster than you're doing it now through straight meditation. And that's got to be worth something, right? Uh, Go follow Chris on Instagram. He's Almagraph. Uh, Check out his freaking artistic masterpieces, man. The guy's a genius. Um, I'm glad he's doing better. Uh, He's got some really wise words for us to hear. So, uh, Chris, uh, let's close this thing down.
5: we were talking about the, the potential pitfalls and hangups on the spiritual path. And, um, you know, I, I, think it was just, I was diving into these practices a little too deep, especially like the advanced yoga and meditation. And like I mentioned, it was creating a too much momentum in my life. And, um, it was really preventing me from seeing what was right in front of me, the simple yet really meaningful life. And um, I, I kind of wanted to clear up like what that means, like the whole creating too much momentum. And um, I also mentioned clearing of past karma, present karma, and future karma. Like what the fuck does that mean? It's, yeah. what does most mean? people are like, what is, how does that work? Um, and I think a better example to use is the chakra system. And um, anytime you're dealing with um, energy, like chi, prana, kundalini, any type of yogic practice that moves that up the midline, Uh you're going to start opening chakras and you're going to start balancing them out. And what can happen is chakras can open too early, too suddenly, and you might not be ready for what's going to unfold. I mean, when you're moving that energy and when you're balancing chakras, you're Evolving yourself and your consciousness at a very rapid pace. Carl Jung wrote a couple books about it and um, So if, if you're not ready if your second chakra opens and you're not ready for it it could turn into an Overflow of sexual energy if you're not ready to move that creative energy in however you may right um, and if you open your heart chakra too early And you're not ready to love then you could feel very lonely and very isolated and and lost and um i think what uh, the the case that we hear about the most is people opening up their third eyes too quickly through yoga or psychedelic drugs and that's when you get cases of schizophrenia and people land in mental hospitals and stuff or people claim that um the people that claim that like uh, yoga is satanic and all that because they see uh, spirits and, and darkness because their third eye opened and they have no idea what they're doing. They don't know what they, um, they don't know that realm. So right. it, you're, you're going to get angels, but you're also going to get demons. So it's probably quite a scary experience for some people. Yeah. So I think it, I was maybe dealing with a little bit of that. Just lots
0: of, yeah. lots of energy. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, like writing a paragraph, huh? Like you have to, you start out with your first sentence, and like you can't jump to the end. You have to kind of let the story unfold. And uh, I think a lot of us do. You try to to move ahead uh, before you're ready.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: It's like learning a language. You, you're you're not going to just jump in and and be fluent. You have to kind of work your way into it and slowly immerse yourself in it.
5: Yeah, absolutely. But um, I don't know. I did a lot of reflecting and. Kind of was thinking about like what am I doing on my spiritual path and with these high-powered practices and I just came to realize that life is a celebration. I mean, you don't have to get so deep into these practices and and the proper function for spiritual attainment is to embrace that celebration and not to seek it.
0: Right. Once these practices you- stop bringing you joy, why? What's the point?
5: Yeah, it's just – it's all right there, and, and the whole – it's easy to get caught up in the seeking trip, especially with spirituality and religion. I mean we, we look in books. We, we seek gurus and teachers, and we look to the sky. We look within us, but it's all just right there in front of us after every breath, after every step, just right there.
0: Enlightenment is um, addictive. <laughs> you know? When yeah. You, when you learn things, when things are uh... – when you're reading something for the first time and everything's starting, starting to make sense, like you crave that you, you want to just start opening everything.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a tricky one too. If, if you're, how do I put this? I mean, spiritual practices aren't, they're only fulfilling when you don't use them to attain anything for yourself. Right. And, and they start to become fulfilling when you apply yourself to them to celebrate your life and let it unfold as an art form. And I mean, just put in your effort to like make yourself happy and others happy, more importantly, others happy.
4: Yeah.
5: So, um, I mean, when you, when you're doing these practices to attain something, that's like, it's an ego trip at that point. So that's, that's never thought of it like that. Yeah. I mean, like, in Buddhism, they say if you're meditating to become enlightenment, you're you're moving away from enlightenment.
0: You want to be meditating to be, become part of the whole.
5: You want to become. You want to meditate just to meditate. There's no reason. There's no I mean, reason. In, 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 yeah, in Zen Buddhism, there's no reason to meditate. You meditate just to meditate. Huh. I mean that, that that whole lineage of spirituality is really so simple it just shatters your consciousness that's the point so it's it's fascinating um i mean there's a zen proverb that says drawing water carrying fuel what wondrous and supernatural activity and basically what that means is do whatever you do as a human do whatever brings you joy and happiness and do it until you master it and it becomes second nature and just, I, I'm all, I'm about that celebrating life tip right now, so that that's that's what it is. That's I'm a good place like to be. Stepping back from the from the practices that I was doing and just um staying in the moment.
0: Yeah, you can you can put yourself into the practices so much that you you pull yourself out of living, huh?
5: Absolutely, that that's what was happening to me. I I wasn't seeing the simple things right in front of me. I mean. It it kind of distorted my reality, and it was a a constant go, 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 create, create, create. And, and I mean, granted, I'm still working on art and music daily.
0: Yeah, I wanted Um, to ask you about that. I wanted to ask you what was going on with
5: your music. Yeah, I just finished a new album. um, The second one? Yeah, second one. Hopefully I can get it out in the next month and a half. Nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked about that. It's been it's been coming very, very naturally.
0: It seems so, like yeah. you had a, a good reaction to your first one.
5: It yeah, seemed like it, very it,
0: favorable. The people that, that I know that listened to it all reacted favorably.
5: Yeah, people were very receptive. It was... That was fun. That was fun sharing my music. I mean, that was the first time I ever shared it in a large audience. So, um, it was a little scary, a little daunting, you know?
0: Has there been negative? Has there been criticism? Or has it been pretty no, much, pretty much uh, no, positive?
5: I, not that I've heard, you know, <laughs> nothing negative that I've heard, but I mean, still.
0: No one posted online, this sucks.
5: <laughs> no, no, none of that.
0: <laughs> well, it, well not, shit man, shit man. Shit, man. Any,
5: anytime I share something that I made, I'm a little nervous. Even, even though I'm like confident, people will be receptive to it. It, There's always this moment of like, all right, take a deep breath. All right. All right. It's weird. I don't know. I, maybe I need to be more confident myself, but
0: no, I don't think that ever goes away. The second you, you put something out into the world, it's like you completely open yourself up. Yeah. But I think as long as you're willing to kind of let that be its own thing and then you don't, you don't take it personal anymore, you know, like now that, Even if somebody did come at those songs, it's like, it's not really hurting you. It's like, so you didn't like a song, whatever, you know, they kind of are their own thing and they kind of stand on their own once you release it into the world.
5: Yeah. I just, I figure whoever it's made to reach, they'll, they'll get it. They'll receive it. it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. um, Yeah. I'm just, um, I'm staying busy doing that. Your, your writing has been on fire, dude. Oh man. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're using that that stress to cultivate some good energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a that's the thing. I've had a lot of good energy. It's been uh, I haven't. It's just been you know cold. <laughs> so it's hard yeah. to it's hard to get going when it's so cold. But that's just yeah. me being a, a spoiled Southern California guy that you know it's really not cold.
5: Yeah, dude. But um, back to the whole. Spiritual mind fuck I mean, I, I think it's it's good for people to. I don't know. I think the most important thing about spirituality and religion is to have an approach that you have is just don't take it so seriously. Right. I mean, let your spirituality flow. Practice it because it makes you and others happy.
0: Right. Take um, the, take the parts that work for you, and if it's not working for you, like don't force yourself into it.
5: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Don't try to control anything or, or grasp anything or, or push anything away, and just kind of find that path of least resistance, which is not easy. I'm not sitting here saying it's easy, but
0: <laughs> would 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 you say like looking back on your the, the path you've taken and what the way you've come about your spirituality so far, like where you kind of went all out and immersed yourself, and it kind of became a lot and now you're having to back up would you say like, like yeah. looking back would you do it differently would you ease into it or like wasn't that like a fucking experience man like there was a no, point I... where you were like in it and like now that you can back up you can kind of appreciate it or like do you wish you would have taken a different I approach?
5: can I can appreciate it it's just yeah I, I can I wouldn't change yeah. it I, I wouldn't change it. it. It was, it happened. I mean, that's just the way I yeah. am. Everything I, everything I do, I I'm, I take it to the limit. I'm very extreme and serious with the things I do in my pursuits.
0: You're totally I extreme.
5: It. Yeah. I, I need. It's <laughs> the that, way you I eat need and everything, you're that.
0: totally extreme. So like, that's probably the only way it works for you. Like probably take going in slow. You probably get bored. I think you have to go like all in and then like, back up and like assess and then go all in and then back up and assess. That kind of seems like, like the way that has to go.
5: I'm getting there, but, um, I need to stop trying to control everything. Like, um, Alan Watts says, he says, in giving away the, in giving away the control, you have it. Because at that point there's no, I guess there's no friction between you and the universe. It just kind of flows. Right. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I I see the controller as the ego and then the letting go is the soul guiding, like the graceful fall into the human experience. So, I mean, it's just, um, I mean, what's the best example for that? I mean, nature is probably the best example for that. I mean, just how stars shine and wind blows, ocean waves, birds sing, ants march, Planets turn; it's just a, like a natural thing. And if we center ourselves in our passion and love, I don't know. I think the celebration of life can unfold in that effortless manner, like in nature. So, yeah, I think that's a you're right. Daoistic way of looking at things. I mean, if you don't look at the the earth as an organism, then that might be kind of hard to to grasp. If you see it as a construct, it might be like what? Right. But um. oh man
0: i feel you i feel you i i i i catch what you're saying i love it man i love it that's why i like talking to you yeah
5: just trying (laughs) to reevaluate it but yeah it it all happened so quickly as far as like hopping on the spiritual path it happened fuck it felt like overnight you know i I talked to a lot of people and they're like yeah i've been like this my whole life since i was a little kid. I'm like, whoa, you know, like you, you had time to assess things and discern things and like learn about energy. And and for me, it was literally like overnight. Yeah, I'm and, still
0: getting uh, excited about things. I'm still blown away when shit happens.
5: <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was it like for you? I mean, were you spiritual as a young child? No, Probably.
0: no, no. Uh, I grew up in a very uh, hardcore Mormon family right. and the, but you know when i was early teens i stopped going to church you know we'd go to church and i'd go in one door and out the other and i'd come back at the end and so i can i kind of started pulling away when i was about 12 um but my family is all still pretty hardcore i'm am the the kind of the outcast but um it was it there was no spirituality i mean like i wanted like the more it's such a mormonism is so sterile when it's in its fundamental form, that it was like, we didn't know anything about outside religions. It was like, when we met somebody new, like the first question was, are they Mormon? And my mom did a really good job at keeping us sheltered from other religions. I mean,
4: to to
0: grow up in Southern California and to not really know anybody other than other Mormons was kind of crazy. It was really this, um, it was really sterile. And so like, so like I have a hard time with religion now, like even when I like when it comes on TV or when it's in movies or in books,
5: re- any religion, or any
0: religion? religion. Like if, if there's if there's like a, if I'm reading a book and like a, there's a preacher in a book and they go into any kind of religious talk, I'm usually like in fiction, you know, even in fiction, I like skim over it. Like I, I have a just complete block to religion. So and, it, and I think it's just because it's just kind of was absent in my formative years. Even though, yeah. even though there was a religion, it was just that one, you know?
5: Does, does any religion out there kind of move you or grab your attention? No. Or you haven't even really.
0: No, I mean, no, I've, I've, no, I've in the past, you know, 10 years, I've really kind of immersed myself in a uh, religious study and, in looking into different religions and and, in, in a, big search you know i want to i want to like fucking feel something man and it's really in the like doing away with the religion and any anything organized i have this a a problem with um and once i do away with that and i'm like just able to connect on my terms then uh, that's when i feel spirit
5: i i could you'd make a good buddhist
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, I like. Uh, I, I've read a lot of Buddhism. I like. Uh, I've read a lot of Taoism. Um, I, I just, I kind of like to take what works for me. You know, there's, there's a lot of. Uh, there, there's a, there's a, a, lot of structure in Buddhism that I don't do well with. But the general philosophies are, are. Uh,
5: yeah, no, I, 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 with... I feel you on the whole, like cherry picking on like. This
0: works for me. And it's kind of cheating, little, I guess. It's it. kind of cheating, but it's like you know, I, I, I you tend to think as soon as like the organized part of it comes along, it starts getting kind of warped and and bent to uh, human to you know a certain class, and so it's like all right, well let's take the essence of it before it was tarnished by humanness, right, and and take that from it.
5: That's. That's what I see. It. I mean, that's what I struggle with is like, God does not have religion.
3: I mean, religion
5: is, is of man and it is, is of ego and it's been passed down and passed down and recycled and this is what we got in this day and age. And I, I think it's all good to cherry pick. I mean, I, I, I take a little bit of each religion I, because I, I in my heart, I know they're divinely inspired. But they are also inspired by ego, so it, it's just like, oh, that that works, and a little bit of this, but most of it is a little too much for me. But um, yeah, yeah man, yeah. I, I've been on on a similar search of of just uh, doing my homework as far as religion, because I'm sure like like you, you see people that are like, ah, I I found God, like the search is over, it's all good now, and you want to feel like that.
0: Yeah. Exactly, and
5: it's like, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I definitely I feel that. What, where, I feel where you're coming from.
0: What I where I found, especially, in, I would say, the past year, is it has been in, um, and it 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 comes more from like the the Sharon Salzberg or uh, uh, Ram Dass version of yes. Buddhism. Uh, where yeah. it just as the unconditional love and kindness and and you really can kill them with kindness. you know what I mean? like you really mm-hmm. can take control of a situation through non-reaction. and so like that part of it's really been where I've been lately is in mm-hmm. just trying to completely control reaction to love and kindness. I'm down. And the only part I I struggle with is when I'm driving in traffic.
5: Yeah.
0: (laughs) If I'm not driving, I'm pretty good at it. In traffic, it all goes out the window. When my rambling days are over,
2: and my gambling days are through. When my rambling days are over, and my gambling days are through. If you tell me that you love me,
4: I'll
2: be coming
4: back to you.